at the start of this new week. And I'm joined uh, to help us take a look at some of these stories by Snesipo Manindra. And uh, she joins me now on the line. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Ah, evening. I, uh, it's been a young minute. It has. The last time I spoke to you, uh, I'd left you with some homework. I'd asked you. Uh, you, you'd spoken about Winston Churchill and not wasting a crisis and uh, all manner of other things. And the president, I guess, disrupted our chat last week, Monday. But tell me now, uh, do, do you have the answer for me? Where was Winston Churchill arrested? Uh, I actually don't. I actually forgot. And it was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago that the last time. We so spoke. I think what we're going to do. Uh, we need to do this. No, we, we, need to get to you to, we need to get you and uh, uh, because you, you have very deep pockets, I'm sure. We need to get you to sponsor a competition for all of the youngsters uh, that are, are, are starting from home now to go and dig this up and uh, try and find it for us. Uh, or even, I guess, a, pr- a nice prize for uh, one of our listeners who might uh, uh, guess that right. But let's, let, let's move swiftly along, uh, Snesipo, here. Life healthcare. Now, uh, one would think that they've been central, I guess, uh, to... Much of the efforts to uh, respond to COVID um, in the private healthcare sector here, but it seems they've uh, taken quite a beating here and uh, even come out with a number here of 240 million rand of foregone revenue on the back of delays to some elective surgeries that they had planned to do. Um, so I think what COVID has, exp- has exposed is the um, the not so glamorous life of private healthcare. I think life healthcare, medcare as well as uh, the guys at Mediclinic have been exposed in terms of how susceptible they are to economic movements. Traditionally, you would expect healthcare is an essential service that they would thrive in a pandemic, but that's not been the case. A lot of it has to do with the fact that because of COVID and the, the sheer contagiousness of the disease, a lot of people have been postponing surgery. Myself included, I was supposed to do dental work. I decided to, after COVID, I don't want to be anywhere near sick people. Mm, mm, mm. I don't want to be, any, I don't want to be. Any. So a lot, it's not like Grey's Anatomy where you have like every surgery is life-threatening unless it's, it's pretty much, it, it really isn't. I think people need to accept this. Unless you're having a baby or your surgery is time-sensitive, you don't need to go. Mm. You can postpone mm. it. And that's what their top line because elective surgeries tend to have the most uh, profitable profitable surgeries because of the sheer number of volumes. So things like your catheterization, your um, um, optic eye surgery, um, LASIK eye surgery, dental work, which is what I'm doing with my teeth, it's uh, plastic surgery, uh, hip replacements. It's, if it's not time sensitive, you don't have to do it right now. And so it's taken, so COVID has sort of taken a uh, life. I reported a 240 million rand drop, and that was just on March alone. Expect that to multiply in the next coming months mm. because expect that to multiply. They've also had their cost base significantly increased. Now, this is what for me, is quite challenging because Medicare reports... What's accounted for that? I mean, is it, is no, it the exchange rate? Why, why, why? No, yeah. it's not the exchange rate because um, it's not the exchange rate. They've had to upgrade their facilities to prepare mm. for COVID. Uh, prepare, which gives you... Because the thing is that, remember, even the one, the Medicare in KZN, the Mediclinic here in Santon, they've had a COVID outbreak, mm. which gives you... You would expect this, no offense. I actually expected a COVID outbreak, Ibarra. 
I did expect it at Morningside Medic Clinic, which gives you sort of, that's why they're exposing the fallacy of private health care. Because mm. you would not expect it. And so as a precautionary measure, that's what ends up happening. So you expect the numbers to drop. And remember, COVID is internal medicine. It's not surgery. It's internal medicine. Hmm. So, it does. so it's not profitable. It's yeah, not profitable. Yeah, yeah. So when I used to build hospital model eight, a couple months ago, it's my life sometimes, um, there's certain things that make a hospital profitable. So hospitals work on cost offsetting things. Of cost, or say more things, things that the nice to have are more expensive to subsidize. It's basically almost like gynecology. Gynecology, we all know that C sections are there to offset the cost mm. of natural birth mm. because of the time. You can do four C sections by with the number of times it gets to pop out one sure, baby naturally. Sure. So that's how hospitals are done. There's lots of cost subsidization and internal medicine. As a rule, because it's not surgery, doesn't mm. require theater time, it just requires time. It's not profitable. True. So expect the margins to come down as well as the fact of volume of revenue because okay. of non-elective surgery. All right. Snezzy, well, let's pause there for a second. And when we come back uh, on the other side of uh, a brief break, we'll uh, take a look at what's been happening at Telcom and uh, also uh, what's been happening in... The world of the people who brought to us uh, Mickey Mouse. Uh, Disney, it seems, uh, is uh, uh, chopping, uh, I guess, uh, some of its workforce there, or shifting the burden of COVID-19 onto the state. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, that story and more with Snesipo on the other side of this. Seven minutes uh, it is now before 8 p.m. You tuned in to uh, Metro FM Talk, and it's our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, our next story here is about Telcom, uh, who have come out and said that uh, ICASA, uh, in their temporary spectrum allocation, which was announced uh, over the last week or so, had effectively appropriated or expropriated some of the spectrum that had already been allocated to Telcom. Okay, so I'm not an engineer, but from what I understand, so um, I picked this up on Duncan McLeod, Tech Central. So yes, money yes, I think they ran with the story earlier on today, yeah. Yeah. So my understanding is that because we're all at home, um, there was, I picked it up a couple of weeks ago. I think you might have felt it, might have felt it. It sounds weird when you say it out loud, but might have felt that your internet A3G was slow. I feel that all the time, but story for another But day. But okay, but, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. And that was because of this, this just a sheer amount of people. So it was yes. during the week where, Microsoft Teams was crashing. Zoom was showing me flames as those of us who are working from home. And so to counteract the effect, because we're all now homeschooling, homeschooling, working from home, ACASA allocated additional spectrum to uh, the uh, telecommunications provider. Mm. Now, the issue is telecom is like you're giving away my spectrum that I already had to other people, and mm. you're not compensating me for it. In the most simplest terms, that is what I understood. So you're taking away with one hand what you gave with the other, basically. Yes, so mm. they, say, they say that you can't say you're giving me additional. I already own this. Why are you giving it to other people? So they've reported uh, to ICASA, and they're hoping to get rectified because what has also happened to the telecos is that it has been great for them because their usage, I think MTN reported that their usage, 3G usage, had gone up by 40% oh. if we compare 2019 versus 2020, which is not surprising because we're all at home. Mm. We're all at home. 
So they're making more money and they needed the additional spectrum allocation. The fairness of taking another, though, I think we're going to see post the legal proceedings of Telkom. I just, I'm curious to find out if this is actually true. And if it's true, how does ICASA compensate Telkom for this? Mm-hmm. Because if you when you get allocated, you pay for it. It's not yes, it's not yes. it's not free. It's not free. It's not free. It's not for mahala. This thing costs money. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to understand that's for me. But I do agree in principle, in principle, with the fact that the additional spectrum needed to be released because I, for one, was getting dropped calls. Yeah, yeah. Regularly. Look, I mean, no, definitely. I was I was being a bit flippant earlier on, but yes, I think many people who. Uh, have had to overly rely on uh, the internet for meetings, for you know, just connecting with uh, Kith and Kin. Would certainly share that sentiment that there's been yes, a lot of drop calls, lower sp- latency speeds, and everything else. Um, and I guess the, the other big question here is how will Ikasa respond? It seems they've been taking a, a wait and see approach, uh, and uh, this allocation uh, is set to lapse on the 30th of November. So quite a few more months left here uh, for a Telcom to still, uh, I guess, uh, exercise whatever options are open to them. They've got to, because the thing is that I think we've all accepted um, uh, that this lockdown, it's, hey, we're going to be at this for a while. I think we've all accepted we're going to. And I think with that being said, we need to look at the fact that a good percentage of the workforce is not is going to be working remotely, mm. and they need the resource. Now, the question is that for me, and this is just a principal factor, I consider communication as a utility and it should be priced as such. The fact that there are people who aren't able to work fully from home, like the fact that the University of Forte, Forte they were like about quasi in the online learning because students don't have access. Are you equal? Are you equal access? Yeah, and, 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 on a principled basis, for me, I consider communication. You know what Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Wi-Fi, electricity, water. For me, it's a utility and it should be treated as such. Should be a human it's, right soon enough. I mean, it's a human, it's a human right. It's the yeah. ability. I, I view it that way. So therefore, I think we need to get again. Again, I see Telcom and Vodacom MTM fighting, but we need to go back to a principal issue of this is a utility and it should mm. be priced as such. I was checking my got gig usage. I used about 150 gigs this week, but I have I've uncapped Wi-Fi. If I were to pay for it on 3G, I don't even want to count the thousands. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to count the thousands because I'm not spending that. But I'm just talking about if, and that's because quite simply, people were thinking I'm Netflixing. No, it's because I'm on video conferences from 8 to 1 yeah, p.m. Yeah, yeah. on a daily basis. Eesh. And as so, that might be a very uh, significant feature of life uh, because, uh, you know, if, if you think about the epidemiological trend of this COVID-19, we might find ourselves in successive lockdowns in the near future and this kind of work might become a bit more entrenched, least of all in sectors like yours, where I guess there's a greater prospect than if you were working in the retail sector. I want us to quickly just take a look. Uh, we are shortly running out of time. It's just Disney. Uh, they've stopped paying 100,000 workers here, and uh, the cuts mean about 500 million a month in savings for the big giant. But it seems, I guess, much of the burden is also going to be shouldered by uh, authorities in the United States and uh, in places like France as well. Okay, so let's go to, we're going to wrap this up quite quickly. In the 2008 crisis, 2008-2009 financial crisis, it took the Americans about four to five months to get to 20 million jobless, uh, jobless submissions. 
thanks to COVID-19 pandemic, that has taken four weeks. What, because of the structural flexibility of the U.S. Uh, labor market, Disney can lay off its people. And you know that we're doing social distancing, so ain't nobody going to Disneyland, quite simply put. However, this talks to the fact that the pandemic, when you think about it, even if we were to remove from lockdown, we're still going to be social distancing for a while. And that's why Disney was able to let go of their staff because ain't nobody going to Disneyland. Let's just be, let's be, it's literally, you're not going. Mm. You, you, you may have had plans. Some of us had plans, but, and these shame, and it, it literally is as simple as that. It really is as simple as that. And it's quite a tragedy that the fact that the Disney corporate, which by the way, had the cash flow, has had the cash flow balance to sustain the employees, have opted not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- this is certainly a tough one here, Snesip, and I think we'll continue to hear stories like this, uh, you know, even if you think about uh, applications to unemployment insurance benefits in uh, the U.S. and some of the data that's been coming out over the last few days or so, and even the challenges here at home. Uh, this is going to be a recurring feature uh, in uh, some of uh, what we report in this business wrap, and uh, uh, we'll certainly have to leave that particular story. But I want to squeeze in uh, the issue of the land bank. Uh, we saw a SENS announcement uh, uh, over the last day or so uh, of a default. Now, uh, I mean, if I put it in very simple terms, if uh, the land bank collapses in the kind of fashion that we've seen uh, other SOEs, I guess, uh, tether on the brink of collapse, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, that might have an extensive implication, might even put paid to the program uh, of land reform and how we've been thinking about it. Because the entire debate has been about thinking of, uh, you know, we've got this massive entity here, which is a big asset in this program and it seems that even that entity is unable to meet some of its obligation to its lenders so okay interesting enough i went through the results of land bank specifically on the fixed income presentation for 2019 october mm. 2019 they already highlighted that they were having liquidity challenges and the liquidity challenges were caused by the overextended um, use of the overextension of the drought and also the fact that their non-performing loans had gone up by $1 billion. So they were really showing uh, liquidity challenges around last year and simply because of the simple fact that um, farmers were, they've had to roll over a lot of their terms. Um, I think when we think of land reform, I think we need to move away from commercial. When we think land reform, we need to not look at it purely from the lens of commercial farming because the guys in default are the commercial farmers. Let's not lie to each other. It's not just the little people. Well, Everybody let's, 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 let's pause there. Let's pause there because I think the, 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 there's an issue worth exploring. Yes, yeah, the reality, I, yes, the reality has been that the land bank historically has funded large commercial farmers. But surely it presents an opportunity, and I think we've seen this in even uh, you know the the shifts in insurance products they've put out, and even in, in their loan book at the focus on the emerging segment in homelands uh, and uh, on the periphery of some of our cities that is primarily black and small scale farmers. So uh, it seems that that space was opening up here. But the question is, what does this looming default then mean for the opening up? in a much greater way of that kind of space. I think everybody can accept that the commercial guys uh, are in debt and there's scope for consolidation that might happen there where bigger guys eat up the smaller guys. But I think what does this then mean for the smaller guys who are starting to be sort of brought into the fold here? Um, okay, so I'm going to apply this with two hats on. In normal principles of commercial banking, the smaller guys would get expropriated because of failure to hold up their land, their, their bargain. 
although the terms of the land bank are quite favorable, we have to follow due process. But because the land bank is also a developmental institution, this is the second half. I think they would need to, there needs to be a rethink in terms of what can you possibly do? Mm. Because at the, at the, the truth be told is that we know that they need to play a role in land reform to support emerging farmers from uh, the land reform program. However, we also need to think about the financial sustainability of the business that is the land bank in itself. Now, besides the, the land bank has gone through quite a bit of a corporate shakeup. I think long-serving COTP, you know, he's my one of my faves. Yes, he's at the IDC, and I think Ayanda Kanana is now the uh, CEO yeah. of the bank, yeah. Yeah, so you sort of wait, he sort of, Ayanda sort of walked into one of the most perfect storms. The most perfect storms, because a lot of what the land, the reason why they, they are facing real liquidity challenges and they need to relook at where they are, it was tithering last year. It was tithering last and it was pre-COVID, pre-downgrade, pre-so many other things. Besides, and also one of the things that was announced, but I think it was the Department of, I think, Rural, Department of Rural, I stand under correction. They did announce some of the interventions they would be looking to assist in food security. Obviously, that puts additional financial pressure on the land bank on an already tense situation. Mm. Now... It, what they what the announcement was. So, so wait, wait, which, which announcement is this? Is Tiza's announcement of uh, I think it was just over a billion rand or so. Yes. Wasn't that yes, supposed that. to come from the fiscus rather, or from the no? Sort of, it was uh, a consolidated budget. It was it was a combination because a lot of them was to also just help them. It was a com- it was a, it was it was also from it was in the, from fiscus as also well as them to support emerging farmers. One of the things that they did say, Toko did say, because I caught the presentation, was that. She did say that it's not to be used to settle debt and that it's to be in the production of farming. Yes. That was a very key caveat. For me, I think that we need to relook at what's going on at Land Bank okay. and we need to take action because for me, they were tithering last year. Mm. That was also one of the issues. And we know that the fiscus is preoccupied with COVID. Mm. And from a healthcare budget, yeah. we need to relook at a few things. And I get what you're saying, uh, Aya, about Land Bank leading uh, the restitution, leading the development of the case for emerging black farmers and smallholder farmers. But at the same time, they need to be act responsibly sure, sure. within their capital adequacy wage. Yeah. That is why they... That is why they're in the mess they were in now. Indeed. And sensible, we'll have to leave it there because I think the mess that they're in now is also a big function of their non-performing loans in their current book, uh, which uh, That's actually cons- the consists, issue. consists of larger players than maybe some of the smaller guys that have come through in the yes, last but few the, years. But, the, but yeah. then again, Aya, but then ah, again... Ah, Aya, why are you like this? Why? No, no, because we have to go on to some other people who are also battling and saying, uh, uh, as they knock on the door of government, that, hey, Akomali... And that is the South African Airways. And it seems uh, they are in somewhat of a pickle there. But uh, Snesipo, uh, we'll have to leave it there, unfortunately. Uh, seven minutes it is after 8 p.m. On the other side of this, uh, we go into our uh, shop stewards corner and we catch up with the Black Pilots Association and uh, we get a clearer sense of what's happening at the national carrier. They asked for 10 billion rand, the business rescue practitioners. And uh, the authorities said, Asnayo.